Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game. Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Well, folks, we have another amazing season in the books. Season three, we have now have this post-match show with my good friend and brother-in-arms, Paul Jobson. Coach Jobson, how are you doing, man? Phil, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate that. How how are you doing, Coach Coach Phil, and all the other titles that go in front of your name, podcast host, author, father, husband. I mean, we could go on and on with your uh, with your titles, man. But things are things are good here in Waco, Texas. A lot of rain, but uh, how's how's Cali life, man? Well, I, we just talked about it right before recording. Talking about the rain in Texas, I, I am a bit jealous. I saw some mud, mud soccer, mud, whatever it was in the backyard. I mean, mud anything really is fantastic. You know, I'm What's actually that? surprised. In my house, Marcy sees mud in the backyard, and her first instinct is, hey, guys, this is a great day to train diving headers. So <laughs> she took the boys out in the back. There's some great video somewhere out there on the socials that uh, has two of our boys doing diving headers uh, in our mud puddle in the backyard. So my former players will remember we used to do that on our on our field had an awful, well, our field had some bad spots back in the day, and we would do diving headers on rainy days here at Baylor. So former players have enjoyed actually uh, seeing that as well. Yeah, it was it was fun to watch. It was fun. It brought back a lot of memories of a lot of mud <laughs> and a lot of fun with uh, whether it was mud football or mud uh, soccer or mud anything really. Because we used to play on this thing called natural grass back in the day in California, mm. which we don't find very often anymore. But yeah. we played in the winter. It was a winter sport in high school, and so there's one thing people don't necessarily realize about Southern California, but when it rains, it pours. And we had some, I remember some great games, because the football team came in, took all the grass away from the field. So in the winter, none grew, and we had a mud pit when it rained, and we had a dirt pit that had all kinds of, that's why our touch was, was not necessarily as good as it could be nowadays, you know, because that's what I blame it on anyway, is those chunks sure. in the, on the yeah. field. Right. It might have been not juggling as much and not really working on it as much, too. But <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was the, it was the mud, yeah, Phil. Come it, on. Know, what does what Chris Berman say? A good craftsman never blames his tools, but you yes. can't blame the field because the field often is. Uh, I don't know if that's what he said, but I'm saying it. So that you've heard it here first, folks. It's out there. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah. Hey, man, I am doing well right now, getting ready for the summer. The kids are finishing up school. Um, but, uh, you know, summer's always fun, but a lot of work, but yeah, I'm, I'm better right now because we're talking, we're hanging out. We get to have this great conversation today, not yep. only a little bit about season three, which, you know, I, I say it every season, but this was one of my favorites. It's one of my top three for sure. You know, I don't know about you, but, uh, yeah. no, we had some amazing interviews, especially the second half of, of the season, uh, getting to talk about Ted Lasso episodes five and six. And uh, really, just I, I just cheer up every time I get to hang out with you a little bit. So, folks, if oh, you man, I appreciate met that. Paul, you know, you gotta you gotta just somehow make a trip to Texas, reach out, show up in his backyard when it rains, and you can do diving <laughs> headers, and it'll be fantastic. You know, I have no doubt you would enjoy the experience. So, you know, Paul, generally speaking, the second half, you know, yeah, I, I know. You know, you, you haven't necessarily been able to ruminate on all of them in all their glory, but, uh, you know, what, what do you think generally about season three? Again, like you said, another quality season. I mean, I, it's been uh, awesome for me. I, I think I say it every every time, but I learned so much just just listening to, to the podcast and what these amazing people have to say and just their experiences. And I, I think the, the top one for me right now has to be Corey Close. And of course, it's not even a, a soccer interview, but as you learned early on it, she definitely is a soccer person and, and uh, started off pretty heavy in soccer. So uh, while you thought it wasn't going to be soccer, it definitely had a soccer tie in it. And she made it very clear that that was uh, a great experience for her. But that was just an amazing, amazing interview uh, with a, an amazing woman, a, a coach that I think we all as coaches can learn from. And she's learned from the from the greats and I think is one of the greats now. Um, and just a lot of wisdom. And if you can't get excited listening to somebody like her, you got to check your heartbeat. You know, she's just one of those kind of like, I think like my wife, uh, when, when they speak, you kind of get it, you're ready to get out on the court, you're ready to get on the field. You want to go take diving headers in the mud, whatever it is. Uh, but I really enjoy that, that Corey interview, a lot of great wisdom that one that I will go back again and listen to. Cause I, I know that I missed some things. Um, cause there's just, it, there's a lot in there. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I just thought of another thing that basketball doesn't have that soccer does, and that's diving headers in the mud. So, or really anything in the mud for basketball. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, that, well, maybe unless you're playing different, different parts of the world. But here in the States, we don't get to experience that. So it's just another reason to play soccer. I, Absolutely. I just, there's, there's, there's long, long list. I hadn't even thought about that one, uh, at least not recently. Bring her, so, bring her back on and let's talk to her about that. I think we should. I think we should. I know she'd be up for it, you know, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, she's over in Hungary right now. I think it's Hungary. I'm pretty sure it's Hungary or Bulgaria. I can I think it's pretty sure it's Hungary where she's coaching U.S. basketball over there. So she's got to have a pretty awesome summer with that. But uh, yeah, you know, I I absolutely love that interview as well. She's she is an amazing woman. I was I, I did laugh at the beginning because I didn't know. You know, some people think I fake my surprise in these interviews, but <laughs> I don't, folks. This, these things aren't scripted. These things are just pure natural Phil dark when I'm interviewing these folks Paul knows that because I got to interview him before he became my co-host so it, it was fun though because she yeah, as she talked about her soccer prowess as a kid and the fact that she never even played uh, club basketball you know growing up but she was a club soccer player I, I just thought that was fun that's that's quite an athlete when you can get a, a scholarship to play basketball when you never even played club basketball and you were a soccer player. Um, I was very impressed with that that little fact that some people may have missed in that interview. Yeah, I thought that was great, and I think even the 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 little discussion at the beginning about specialization, even I think she's a great example, and and think that we we miss that sometimes, and the, just the correlation. I've always I always loved my players that have played basketball, I think there is a great correlation between the two sports. She even talked about when she teaches, you know, the spacing and the passing and the angles. Those are things that I've always uh, valued about the, the overlap of the two sports. Um, and she, she mentioned that a bit, talked a little bit about specialization and her opinions on that. And um, I thought those were some very valuable, valuable lessons that I think as coaches um, that are coaching at a, at a high level in club, you know, I, I think there is a push for special specialization in sport too early, uh, which, you know, she mentioned and talked a little bit about, about on the interview. Um, the other piece I love, she's not not ashamed of her, of her faith. I know that's something that we we dive in and out of here just because the way you and I are, are wired here. But to hear her jump boldly into that, not even, I think, pulled from you, I don't think. Um, but just to have that faith piece driven so hard into into what she does and who she is and what she's about was uh, really cool for, for me to hear also. Absolutely. That was something that really stuck out to me. And it was actually in the, in the response to the question of what is her why? And mm -hmm. that's what she talked about. And, and, and I loved how she, you know, also was able to talk about the fact that she respects other worldviews, respects other things in her coaching. It's not something she pushes on people and she just is who she is. And that's, you know, what I really believe that we, we can do, we can model it. We can say, this is why we do what we do. This is why we believe what we believe. And if you don't, and that, you know, that's how it is with this show too, folks. I mean, if you don't believe, it's not like we're going to say you're a bad person or you're wrong or you're this or you're that or the other thing. You know, we believe what we believe and we have a, a uh, worldview that, that is one that is, that is open um, to anybody. And that's something that she was, she was talking about. And, and I loved it. Absolutely loved that conversation with her. The fun part too, that didn't really come out in that interview is her parents met at a camp in British Columbia that my daughter actually, as we record is probably on her way to that camp to work for the summer. So it's just total small world, but that's where her parents met. And, and, uh, so it's just fun, little small world and stories that we get, we get to have. And, I think you've just got a lot of great little small connections, small stories like that. And then your interaction with, um, uh, wooden with coach, uh, I just went blank coach wooden. Yeah. Coach wooden. Yeah. How do you forget like the greatest yeah, coach I, I of all know. time's we'll, name? We'll yeah. Okay. We'll it's the rain, man. Out. It's the rain. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, that interaction with coach wooden that actually your daughter had probably a greater interaction than you did, but you're just interwoven into everybody's life, man. Even, even mine. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it is weird. It is weird. It's fun. I mean, but honestly, it's funny because it's, you know, God has prepared me to be a podcast host. I think, you know, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that, but you know, but to be able to, you know, touch base and, and, but I think that lesson in and of itself though, is that you never know why you're meeting someone, right? So when I meet people, 
I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy getting to know them, actually truly getting to know them, not because of what they can give me, not because of what I can get from them. Usually it's what I can help them with. That's what I, that, you know, my why is to help people to flourish and help people to, to really maximize their God-given abilities. And so, you know, that's just what, it, what part of how I'm wired and I've been able to use that in really fun, cool ways. And, and the great part about it now, because of this great technology we have, is others are able to um, benefit from that, which excites me more than anything, is I can have these great conversations with people. I mean, Corey Close was from Amanda Cromwell, who you know, lived with our family for a few months when she was playing with the beat with Marcy. So it all comes back to Marcy. I mean, basically. So, um, (laughs) and, uh, and your influence on her probably while she was there in Atlanta. I mean, that's, that's probably all it comes down to. So it comes back to you, Paul, is what we're basically saying. Which we've got, we've got to get her on the podcast. So the, her open invitation I know is, is there. She's got to find a, find a minute once uh, the the four boys settle down to get on the, get on the pod. That's okay, you know, and and going back to the 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 podcast in the last this this uh, second half of the season, then we're gonna get to Ted Lasso. I promise, folks. I know that we have that promise to you, and we will fill it. Trust me, we we love talking about Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. But uh, I just wanted to remind you, Greg Rubendahl was the second interview of this second half. Great conversation with the coach, with the educator of coaches, um, with the man who is a director of uh, coaching at a Livermore Fusion soccer club out here in Northern California. Really fun interview. Interesting. He brought up some really cool stuff. One of the things that actually is on the uh, Facebook page and other social media is this little clip on deep practice and the importance of fundamentals in the game. That that's worth the price of admission right there. I mean that that uh, of course it's free price of admission, but but it's also worth it if we did charge for price of admission. And then John Yeager, the coaching zone is the book that he wrote, Next Level Leadership in Sports. You know, another one of my favorite interviews, and I don't just say that. I don't throw that around, but I really, really appreciate it. It's funny because Corey was one of my favorite interviews, basketball. John is actually a lacrosse guy. Some of the stories he has in there, his leadership experience, he's just this sage wisdom of of these people who who have been living it, have been doing it, have been not just saying words, but living it out, and he's one of those guys. And then the second part of my interview with my old coach, and friend Clyde Best uh, also. If you haven't listened to these four interviews, this half alone is one of my favorite halves of this podcast in all of our seasons. So just go back and listen to them. Check them out. As Paul said, listen to them again. If you, you know, the first time you're going to, chances are you listen the first time while you're on a treadmill or walking or running or going running errands or whatever. Sit down with these things. And I mean, if you're listening to this podcast because you want to learn, that's something that, and I, that's the thing too, is John Yeager and Corey Close, the list on the show notes of the books that they reference and the podcast they reference, they're learning. And as we talk about leaders or learners, proof is in the pudding, folks. When they come on and they're sharing these, these amazing stories, these amazing leadership tips, it's not coming from whole cloth. It's not coming from, you know, just making stuff up because they did something. I mean, sometimes that happens, but that's the rare epiphany that rarely, rarely happens. Most of the stuff that we're getting that makes sense is is from someone else. I think it was Michelle Leonard. We talked about the book Steal Like an Artist, and that's a fantastic book. And it's a great concept that we can steal from these people who want us to steal from them these ideas because great leaders want to make great leaders. And that's something that... Uh, I firmly believe, and it's why we're doing what we're doing here. Paul, do you have anything to add on that? I do agree with. Yeah, that. before we kind of kind of slide slide through that, I don't want to slide over, you know, Clyde Best. And I, I think when you talk about uh, stealing things from great people, I mean, you had such an amazing opportunity as a as a kid to learn from from him. And I, I think we miss an opportunity if if I don't ask the question. You know, when you were playing for him, did you realize at the time? what you had in front of you like, like at what point did you realize like okay this guy's a, a living legend uh you know what i can glean from him or was it later later in life when you look back and go man i, I had no idea what was what was right in front of me here's the thing about great leaders is they usually don't talk about the fact that they're a great leader yeah they usually have that humility that he demanded excellence from us. He demanded the best from us. He demanded what he knew it would take for us to be the best we could be. We had no idea who he was. No idea. I didn't even know he played for West Ham until I went as an 18-year-old. After I played with him, I went over to England, and 
And I, I think I had an inkling that he played in the Premier League. And I think I asked my dad, hey, who'd Clyde play for? Oh, he played for West Ham. Oh, wonder if he could give me tickets, right? Because that's what an 18-year-old thinks about. Yeah. And so he got me tickets for that game and uh, hung out with his. That's where I got started getting a little bit of understanding because I went to the pub. And they're, oh, bestie, bestie, yeah, bestie. You know, they're all talking about these little things. But that was just a glimmer. But I didn't think much. Honestly, the the the, the full truth is that I didn't really fully grasp the the level of his uh you know just I don't know legend status so to speak until I read his autobiography Hmm. and seeing the people he played with and seeing you know just reading about these experiences that he had he never talked about the racist issues that you know having bananas thrown at him, having monkey chants almost every game, the mm. acid threat of, you know, people throwing acid on him. Like, what? Yeah. Never talked about it. You know, you know, understandably so. That's not something you just love to just walk around talking about things. And we did live in Southern California where it wasn't much of an issue, you know, South Orange County when we were growing up. Um, at least not that one that was in front of us. Mm. And so he, to read that no idea to talk with him about it even the interviews he he doesn't like to talk about himself yeah he's a guy who loves to show it as he said when people did all that stuff what did i do i put the ball in the back of the net i actually got to use that the other day in my coaching with one of my players she had a girl pull her hair hit her in the back push her and what's your instinct on that is you get mad and you want to go back and do it. So I got to use retaliator gets the red, first of all. And then I got to use, uh, hey, what's the best thing you can do? It helps that she's a, a, you know, a, a attacking-minded player. But I said, calm down. Get your head. Because, you know, he pulled her out right away. Because she, yell- she ended up getting yellow card, not for retaliating against a girl, but going and yelling at the ref because he didn't see it and he didn't do anything <laughs> with the girl. It was behind the play. And she yells at him. He goes, he goes, I just stop it. And she didn't. And so he gave her a yellow. So she comes off. I put my arm around her. Um, and I just said, hey, relax. Calm down. What's the best thing you can do right now to really show her? You know, get back at her. And she's like, uh, I go, put the ball in the back of the net. Fortunately, it worked out that game that she did put the ball in the back of the net. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was really nice. And uh, and the other coach actually moved the girl to the other side of the field because it happened right in front of our bench. So that might not have been as fun for that girl as she wanted the rest of that game from the from our bench. As much as we wouldn't yeah. have allowed it, there would have been little things um, stated. So all that to say, those were some of the phenomenal things. But yeah, to answer your question very in a, in a word, or not one word, but a few words, I had no idea, and we had no idea. And that was on purpose on his part. He's just a man who does what he does. He leads by example. He leads by few words, but those words are meaningful. Um, and I think you saw that through the interviews. I think yeah, that I, I thought those interviews, the interviews. Were, were fantastic. And I think, you know, us as listeners, you know, because I'm a listener in those those things, just gleaning so much wisdom from somebody who – has seen the game at, at, at levels and had experiences that I'll, I'll never have. And I think some of be, some of becoming a great coach or leader is, is learning things from other people that have experiences that you don't have. And I think mm-hmm. that that interview and those interviews are, are crucial for young coaches, old coaches, leaders, whatever, to glean, you know, how does he handle things like, like that? I mean, just some really amazing wisdom, uh, life, not not even just coaching and, and leadership, but some great life lessons that that come through. You can just hear the humility in his voice. So, um, cool experience for all of us. Awesome experience for you to be able to in, interview a, a, a mentor, former coach. And I just really encourage folks to go back and listen to those because those are those are really incredible um, opportunities there. And the other thing about Clyde, he doesn't give a lot of interviews. Um, I think he likes, you know his life in Bermuda, his quiet life in Bermuda. <laughs> and so it was an honor. I mean, it really was an honor and a, a privilege that I do not take lightly that yeah. I was able to do that. And that's really what part of what I saw it as really is, is, is just kind of memorializing this man's life and, and his legacy that he won't, you know, he wrote, he, he did the autobiography. I have no doubt that autobiography was something that people were pulling, you know, 
it, it, what, what what word am I looking for? They, they, it wasn't something he did because he he sought out the publisher. I I mm-hmm. no doubt about that, right? It was, hey, you have a story to tell, and it's important to tell it, uh, particularly in the context of a lot of the the race issues going on. But as he said, he was a pioneer in that. But that that was a beautiful thing more than anything. He kept saying over and over throughout the interview, is I'm doing this for the people who come after me. Mm-hmm. It's never been about him. Yeah. And yeah. that is something that if that alone, I mean, if nothing else you take from it, I mean, there's a lot more to take from it. Don't get me wrong. But if nothing else, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the team, the bigger picture, the bigger purpose. If you don't know what that bigger reason, that bigger why is, you need to, you need to figure that out. And you need to find yeah. that out and you need to believe that and you need to go for that because otherwise it's empty. And uh, I didn't I didn't know we were going to go that deep or philosophical before our Ted Lasso conversation, but it's absolutely 100% true. And that's something that kept coming out and I kept thinking about that as I was preparing for the interview, as I read his autobiography and as I interviewed him. And that's the thing, folks, it's a real deal. If you read his book, it's 100% consistent with everything that he said in there. And that's consistency is critical yeah well good thing he lived in an era where there was no internet because now no coach is safe from the knowledge about them to their players so Mm -hmm. thank you google thank you to the internet (laughs) every player now gets a new coach the first thing they do is they go on the internet go okay what has this guy or girl done in their life good or bad they're gonna find it so yes and, and and you make a great point there i am so glad i didn't know yeah because it would have changed it and it would have changed his ability to do what he wanted to do as well. And, and good, bad, ugly, the internet, you're right. The internet, you know, I joked with Corey that she made Wikipedia that made her, that made meant she was big time now. Right. It's a double-edged sword. Everything has its shadow as, as we've talked about on the show before too. So speaking of shadows, it's really not, but I wanted to segue to Ted Lasso. So that's what we're going to do. Good segue. Good segue. Um, like that. I'm sure there was a shadow at some point in that show. So, um, that's what, that's what we're going with. But, uh, today we get to talk about episodes five and six. You know, we're not going to talk about them as long as we have in the past, just because, you know, we, we, we talked about for good reason, the season three, um, a little bit more today. And, I, and I'm glad we did. And again, if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and do it. I don't say that because I want to get more downloads. I say that because I know it will help you. And I know it has helped me a ton. I've actually listened to these two or three times already um, beyond my editing of the of the episodes. But any just general thoughts? You know, we, we've it's been a few episodes since we've got to talk about our friend Ted and Coach Beard and, and all our other buddies, Nate the Great and Roy and you know, Jamie, I'm not going to name all the people. Don't worry, folks. But uh, <laughs> all of our buddies from this show, and they're like becoming friends. Um, besides the fact that I have no doubt that you, as I can, can really relate with Higgins and just lots of kids. And you with the boys, four boys. He's got five boys. And I just, I couldn't help but think of you at the beginning of episode five when he's got the four boys in the back and his wife, and she's just like frazzled a little bit the only difference was the steering wheel was on the other side of the car i've imagined that that was very similar to to what uh life is like in the jobs and house is that is that pretty pretty accurate pretty pretty dang close and i think that one of the things that we love about um entertainment is when we can relate to people that are in shows and just another level of ted lasso where the jobs and family definitely relates uh to the ted lasso show in different different areas and just a character that yeah um yeah, a lot, lot of kids, a lot of craziness. Um, yeah, so we definitely related to that. The cramped car, the cramped house and some different yeah. episodes where you see them all uh, all yeah. together. But that is like our house too, where you know our house is not very big, but we say we don't need a bigger house because our kids would just follow us to the room that we're in anyway. So uh, <laughs> nice problem to, to have. But I know probably like you, I'm starting to get excited about the next season of Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm seeing the trailers and whatnot, I'm starting to get excited about that. So pumped to kind of talk through uh, episodes five and six today and just, you know, how Ted handles Tart, you know, with his, you know, him being the egomaniac that he is and uh, just kind of maybe talking through that a, a little bit because I think it's something as coaches we deal with. And we've talked a lot about on this show is how do you deal with those those players that are extremes on one way or the other. And this is obviously a character we're going to talk through with, with Ted Lasso uh, through this season. 
but Jamie Tart and just how it is all about him, all about him, all about him, all about him, and how Ted, you know, does something pretty bold uh, and and sits his best player. And I don't know as a coach, um, you know, I'd like to think that I could do that, especially somebody that's that extreme. But would I be able to do that in the moment? Um, and we've talked about too with Ted. He is a long-term type person. He's making decisions for the long term, not for the right now. And I think that perspective just guides him through decisions that he makes. That I think for us as coaches, because we do think so short-term, so right now, I've got to get the win. We've got to win the season. I think it'd be tough to do. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are as you're coaching or leading an organization in any of these things. Hey, this person is a producer, but there's a problem. And am I willing to make this hard decision now to that's going to positive, possibly positively affect my program or corporation or organization in the future? Can you make that decision in the moment? That's a question that I come to when I see kind of that interaction with, with Ted, Ted and Tart, so to speak. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're a people person, which you mm. and I are, right? It, it's It's difficult. It's really difficult because – as long-term thinkers, you see what you need to do. But there's also, what are people going to think? What's my boss going to think? What are the you know, donors going to think in the context of a nonprofit? What are the uh, you know, teammates going to think? Am I going to lose my team by sitting this person? Because even though they don't necessarily like him as a human, they like what he does on the field. At the point of that game when he benched him, it was 2-2, two to two, and Jamie Tart had scored the two goals with a beautiful direct kick goal was the second one. And they're basically, there's no way we're going to do this now because you just took out our only hope from the standpoint of that's what they're thinking in their head. Not right now on the other side, they're going, yes, because if you remember when he scored those goals, he was pointing to the back of his Jersey and, and Ted could not hear what he was saying. He says, what is he saying? And they said, he's saying me. He was not only pointing to his name, but he was saying me. And then Ted said, of course, because it was funny. He said, I thought he was saying meat. And that makes more sense that he was saying me. But, you know, that is something that it was so obviously hyperbole. But we've all seen the player point in the back of the jersey. Now, I'm glad a lot of the kids don't know what that means. Um, now they're probably learning if they ask or if they find out, cause I'm seeing some kids doing it now. I don't know if they're fake or if they're just copying or if they're actually doing it because they know what it means. I hope the former, um, on one hand, I hope they're never not doing it, but if they're doing it, I hope they don't know what, it, what they're doing because it's something that we have to cut that out. Now it doesn't, it goes back to the other conversations we've had about viruses. It doesn't mean you cut them. You could tell in, in episode six when when uh, Rebecca does put him, you know, send him back to Man City. It it made uh, Ted mad, right? Now that on one hand took something away from, but he was working on him. He was working to help him understand that selfishness is not only not good for the team; it's not good for Jamie. It's not something like that's what Alex Ferguson with Ronaldo early in his career was able to help him be more of a team player because he was about himself a bit more. Now, there's different players that are in these different players on Ted Lasso, right, that you can think of and that are, I don't know if they use them. Like you look at Roy Keane, kind of the Roy Kent character. I don't know if they purposefully did that, but um, it's not, not lost on, on me. Hard to think that they, that they didn't, right. that they weren't. Uh, but I do think that's a great point with with Ted. I'm going to keep saying Ted and Tart. I just like how yeah, it sounds. Yeah, but like with Ted and Tart, that he is trying to get to Tart. It, it's not just about the team. It is about Tart. And I think one of the few times you see Ted Lasso actually get angry in the show, especially at Rebecca, is when she sends him away. I mean, he is, he is actually angry. And I, I remember just kind of feeling, whoa, Ted's mad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's – you know, I, I – I felt that through the through the television set, which we don't have television sets anymore, but you get the reference. Um, <laughs> he was mad uh, because yeah. while he took him off the field and wasn't going to put him back on until until Tart learned his lesson, he knew what he needed to do, so to speak. He wasn't trying to get rid of him. Yeah, you know, so he he felt like you know Rebecca took away an opportunity for him to get what he needed out of him. And uh, I think that was a pretty pivotal point uh, in, in really just nailing in, you know, what Ted was all about for, for the individual players. Absolutely. And, and actually between 
pulling him. Then the next episode, Trent Krim says, are you really going to bench your player? And Ted said exactly what you just said. He said, that's really up to him. He knows what he needs to do. And that's something that was really powerful. And then introduction of one of my other favorite characters. All of them are my favorite characters because the character development in the show is so phenomenal. Danny Rojas, football is life. Football is life, coach. Yes, football is life. So he comes on and... And the thing about that is, they're saying, is he any good? I don't know, but you know, I hope he is because he'll push, he knows that he'll push Tart, right? So that's the thing about great players is great players push great players. And those great players, either they're going, they put, basically when you have someone who's your position, who's really good, who comes on that field, you're going to go through the crucible, right? And either you're going to come out the other side better and usually much better, or you're going to crumble. And it tells a lot about the character. It tells a lot about who you are. And whether you start or not, if that person's way better, then you as a teammate should be excited about that because it's making the team better. And if you're good enough, they'll find another position for you, whatever the case may be, or not, and you'll come in and just look at these great teams. They have two or three deep at each position where they could be starting at other places. Man City is a good example. Manchester United at certain positions. I wish at all positions, like um, some teams. But but you look at City, and they have Aguero go down, and they still win league by a bunch. They change the formation a little bit, whatever the case may be, but they got two or three other guys that can go in, boom. And those other guys would be starting at any other place that they were at. But what do they, they want to play there because they're not only are they going to win, but it's just a great experience where they know they're getting better as players. Now, hopefully, as human beings as well, but that's you know that's something that I I don't know. Um, but you watch Danny Rojas come in, and they said, "Is he good?" And then immediately he goes in, does some crossovers, juking people. Then he takes a shot, puts it in, finishes an amazing shot, and everyone's like, "Well, I guess he is." And that was the practice, if you remember, that Jamie sat out, and says, "I can't practice, I'm hurt." Yeah. And then Ted said, "Go put, set up the cones and that whole thing." That was a great interact interchange as well. But Rojas came in, did that, and then they do the whole crossbar challenge where, you know, Rojas is like, oh, that was lucky. That was lucky. I didn't even mean to do it, man. I can't believe it. I got lucky, you know, whatever. But he's just money, right? And, uh, yeah, anyway, what do you think about that general idea? I have a story to tell after that, but uh, about pushing and players pushing players that that blew my mind when I was little. I mean, when I was little, when I was when my daughter was little. But uh, what do you think just about that idea? Have you seen that in your teams? Have you seen that in your life when you've had different people push you? Um, what does that look like? And how do you how do you harness that too as a coach, right? In a how, how do you harness that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the first thing that stands out to me in that relationship between Tart and Rojas is that as a as a coach you're looking at two let's say they're your two best players okay so you've got let's say that Jamie Tart is is better let's say you rank them as far as ability you've got Jamie Tart and then you've got Rojas so you've got two great players you know for me the joy and the energy that Rojas brings to the field if I had to choose one and let's say that Tart was better than Rojas, even if it was a little bit or a great a great amount, I'm going to choose Rojas for my team because he brings some things to the table that even though he may not be as good as Tart, the team as a whole is going to be better because he's on the field, yep. whereas you know Tart is, is pulling the team apart as he's having success. It's crazy, right? Tart is having individual success, which is success for the team at the end of the day, but while he's doing that, he's pulling the team apart. Mm-hmm. Right. He's dividing the team. He's breaking up the locker room. It's all about, you know, me. But when Rojas steps on the field, it's about football. Football is football is life. Yep. You know, the joy that that guy brings just run. He's running around the field like a <laughs> maniac. Like, is this is this guy good? He's just crazy. I mean, I've had some players that had like super high energy that yeah. we need it. You know, like, hey, we, we need more of that. I need you to be a little bit crazy out there. I need you to be loud. I need you to be energetic. Um, and that's something that team really needed. And you saw them rally around him. They, mm-hmm. they all were just like, this is a, like a breath of fresh air. It's like fresh water. You know, it's, it, it was fantastic. Um, but I think throughout your, your life and your career as a, as a coach, you're going to have players like that. When that happens, it really shines a brighter light on the ones that, that aren't bringing life and energy to the team. I think it, it shined a brighter light on the negativity of Tart that, hey, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like that. Because, you know, in some ways, Roy is very similar. 
you know, he's a, he was a great player. He's supposed to be a great leader, but until he can realize how he can bring positivity to the team, he's kind of a negative energy too. Mm-hmm. And I think that bringing somebody like Rojas in has done a lot for this team. I'm talking about like it's a real team, right? Hey, he's done so much for this team to like make them so much better. Um, but the writers have done a great job. Like, hey, this is this is what this team needs. It can't just be Ted's energy all the time. They need somebody in the locker room that kind of can replicate in a different way that energy to drive this team, to bring some joy to the field. So that's how that kind of related to me, at least, or those that just the the difference of those great players and their personalities and how one may not be as good, but is going to drive the team to, be, to, to, to greatness better than, than the other. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something that they do. And the story I was, I was going to, uh, that I'm going to tell is, is my daughter, Malia, who's now uh, 20, she just decided the other day she's not going to play anymore, which is, you know, it's her choice, and I'm, I'm glad that it's actually, she's joyful, and it's good, and it's right, and it's time, right? But when she was probably 10, maybe 11, she they had a, a deal on their team where they had to run the mile, and it was when there was 9v9, and they had 18 players on their team, and the coach said, the fastest nine will play on the A team, and the the next nine will be on the B team for this tournament because he had to make a decision somehow, right? And so that's what he did. He followed the Cooper test or some other thing and, and uh, when you get to, to tryouts or whatever. So it's there. Well, she had never run a mile faster than 7.14. I remember it because it was amazing what the next one was. A uh, little foreshadowing. So, uh, so... I went on a trip. I, I had a work trip. I went and I knew that it was that night. So I got back and my wife called says or text and she says, You gotta call Malia and I was so I was like, All right, she's probably bummed. She's probably needs to be consoled by dad, whatever. So <laughs> So optimistic, Dad. Well, because I knew there were nine <laughs> girls on that team who were cross country runners and they all had broken seven regularly on the mile. So I'm like Okay, fair was, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So that it wasn't like I'd have no confidence in my daughter. <laughs> um I know she's a gamer. But whatever, right? So I get on the phone with her and she goes, Dad, I made the um I made the top nine. I get to play on the A team this 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 weekend. And I said, How in the I wish I would have said awesome, honey. I said, How in the world did that happen? Um, another another great confidence boosting comment from dad. You know, I, I am here in all my vulnerability. Okay. I sometimes I do well and other times I don't, but, uh, but it was a fair question. And cause I had talked with her before I was kind of preparing her before I left. I'm like, you know, you're going to have to work really hard and I hope you can pull it out. And, but you know, you're going to have to run faster than you've ever run, blah, blah, blah. Well, she goes, dad, I, I finished third. And I said, what, what was your time? She said, six twenty five. Oh, yeah. I said, how the heck? You know what she said? She said, I just followed grace. I stayed with grace. And I was like, if there isn't a better example, I mean, if there's a better example, I don't know what it is as far as you can get pushed beyond what you think you can do by those players who are better than you. Yeah. And you want to surround yourself who are with people who are better than you in every area of life. Yeah. They say you're the average of the people you spend, the five people you spend the most time with. Okay. That's pretty darn true that I've found in life. Now, it's not universally true. There are people who overcome. But yeah. that's something that we are going to be better when we surround ourselves with better people. So yeah. that's soccer. That's leadership in business that's community that's your family that's everything right so let's surround our kids with better people yeah 100 percent agree and i love that that story uh, with malia there that's such a like i see that in my teams when i'm talking to players that are struggling with a fitness test or struggling with things i'm like well who who are you running with who are you training with you know you're a lot of them that are in that position are training with people that aren't really challenging them. They're making them comfortable, right? Well, I'm better than that person. Well, that person can't hit the, the average either. So, mm-hmm. you know, why would you run with them? Why would you, you know, not, why would you spend time with them? But if you're trying to, to make, to reach a goal, get with people that are better where we're girls are going into summer training right now. I'm like, where are you going to be training? Are you going to train in an environment where you're the best, best player? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to come back better. 
you know, go, go put yourself in an environment where you're going to struggle a little bit, you know, and that you're going to be challenged, you're going to be pushed. Uh, but people that are, but an environment where you're being encouraged to come along and you're, you know, I'm sure, you know, I don't know who Grace is, but, you know, I'm going to assume because of her name, she's probably fantastic. And that, you know, she's probably like seeing what Malia's doing and maybe in, even encouraging her. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but um, I think those are, those are valid and very important points um, for, for young people, even for coaches, you know, who, yeah. and, and leaders, who are you putting your, yourself around? Um, you know, I'm blessed. I've got a great leader and coach mentor in my own house that I don't mm -hmm. really have to go very far to, to get better in those areas. But um, in, in other areas, maybe you've got to find other other places that are going to sharpen you and making you make you better for those that are around you. And I think the other part of like, surround yourself with people that make you better. What are you doing to make others better? Also, mm -hmm. don't just sit in that comfort level of like, okay, for the example, you know, the average of the five people you're around, there are five people in this room, you know, I'm number three, but I'm just comfortable sitting at three. And what am I doing to make the others around me better also? I think it's an important, important um, attribute of that concept too. Yeah, that actually reminds me of something Higgins said about marriage, as you said that about Marcy and just, you know, and Higgins said, when you're with the right person, even the hard times are easy, right? And, you know, I mean, that was, yeah, whatever, you know, kind of sticky a little bit, right? But it's true, right? Because you know you're loved and you know that you love them. Right. So when you are with the right person, I think go beyond that. And there and you and you love each other and not just, oh, I love you, but like you truly love each other. We can get there with teams, too, where we love each other. And, you know, you've had teams where those players love each other. They genuinely love each other and they care about each other, not in a in a in a marriage agape love, but in a in a that phileo, that love, that friendship that we're bonded we're you know band of brothers we're gonna you know whatever right I had that in the team that I coached with Brett Armstrong you know the first state championship at Christ Pres in Nashville that team loved each other and they were an unseated team going to the final four similar to Marshall who just won the NCAA men's yeah. national championship right unseated coming in but they loved each other and they ended up beating the three top three teams in the state or top two team, or two of the top three, whatever, because there's semis and finals. But that's something that I tell my teams over and over and over again. You will overcome a lot if you love each other. That's why Ted said about Jamie, it's completely up to him whether he gets back into this lineup. He knows what we need from him, right? He didn't need him to be a better player. He needed him to be a better teammate. He needed him to be a better person. He needed him to be someone who the team would love and that he would love them. Yeah. And you saw he had the soccer part down. He yeah. didn't need to be a better soccer yep. player. He, he exactly. had that part down. It was, you're right. It's the other pieces that he needed to, to tap into. And, and it's crazy. I think as, as it, is it episode six where they're doing the, they're burning the, the stuff yep. and all that. And he has a sentimental moment, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Doesn't he, he kind of yeah, comes in and brings does. his, uh, was it his shoes? What did he bring? I forget. I forget. I didn't, I can't didn't remember, that but he had that, kind of yeah. a sentimental moment where yeah. when he comes in, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the biggest sarcastic mm -hmm. thing. He's setting all of us up for, I'm not, I'm not falling into this trap basically is what I was feeling as I'm watching yeah. that part right. of the episode. And he was being, you know, he had a side and he talked about his dad and his father relationship. And um, so he had it in him. And I think Ted realized, you know, his anger at um, Rebecca was because man, I think he thought he was that close to, to getting him where he needed to be. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. He's trying to do some, uh, I, I need a producer so he can do the research while we're talking, but I, I, was, I was trying to find out what he burned on uh, the internet and it's not, uh, not helping me out, but that's okay. I'm sure our uh, listeners know and they're correcting us in the moment right now as can. we're speaking. And did know. you see that? I don't know if you heard that yet, but uh, I got it. I got an email uh, from uh, a, a listener. And it was the coolest thing because what she did was she um, emailed me and said, hey, I got the, the quote from Shakespeare. Remember what I said? If you know this quote, to thine own self be true. And she got in and I'm, I'm going to shout out Lillian, Lillian Ross right now. She's out, out in Houston, I believe, playing for the Dash Academy. So Lillian, if you're listening, 
uh, that's for you there. But, uh, you know, senior or going into upcoming senior in high school. So she came out with Polonius from Hamlet. I was like, right on. It was super cool. And then it went on to say some things that impacted her. And I say that, you know, yeah, it's cool. Shout out to to Lillian. But also because I, I, I really what it made my day. Because I don't know about you, Paul, but it makes my day when I know that what we're talking about here is actually impacting lives. And especially younger lives who are like future leaders, right? These are yeah. kids who are going to be leading teams and who are leading teams, obviously, at the youth levels, but are going to be leading teams in soccer and other areas of life, you know? And it's something that I take very seriously, what we're doing here. Yeah, it's fun. But somebody asked me the other day, what's your why? And I asked Corey Close that question. I've asked some other people that question. And I said it's to help others to flourish and to make good things better. And I've thought a lot about that. But everything I do, it's through that filter. And it's to say, does this podcast do that? I talked to my daughter about that. She's like, do you get paid for this, Dad? I'm like, no. But hopefully someday you'll get that. I actually love helping people. Right? And so that's something, though, that needs to actually be. It's not something you make up. It's not something you just say. It's not something like, ooh, I want people to like me, so I'm going to say this stuff. No, it doesn't work if that's what your motive is. It's got to be that you truly want it in a, in a team. You got to actually love your teammates. You got to not have it be about you. You got to have it be about this greater thing that can't be by yourself. It can't happen. You can't have a great team with a bunch of individuals who want to be great players individually. A great team comes from a bunch of individual players who, uh, what word am I looking for? Um, not subvert, but they basically put themselves lower for the sake of the team, that their self future, whatever is lesser than the importance of that team as one. And that's something that comes from coaching. It comes from the top. That's the stuff that the coaches bring that culture. It's really, it doesn't happen. I haven't, at least I haven't seen it. Maybe it could happen where a team could overcome a coach who doesn't have that. But I haven't seen it yet. I don't know about you. Well, I, I think I think if there's a team that does, you know, we, we're, I've talked about this in the past with different people, is that, you know, the team the team has has some some kind of common bond that they rely on each other for and love each other in those instances. And if that's their their absolute disgust of the coach and that's their bond that bonds them together, maybe that's how it can happen. That's not ideal, obviously. That that would be their bonding moment is they all don't like the coach and they overcome all that. But I had a mentor uh, who told me when I first got into, into college coaching and uh, you know, he said, Hey, you, you've got to learn to love your players. And I didn't really, I knew, I thought I knew what he meant um, just because I, I do love people. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can do that. Like, but the reason that he said that was exactly what you just said. It wasn't about me as much loving my players, as much as I was showing my players how to love each other, you know, and, and showing that respect and, that they weren't just cogs in a wheel or players on a field or, you know, how I get a paycheck or support my family is that I've really was engaged and we're going to do this together. And uh, it wasn't just about me loving them, but showing them what that meant to love each other. And, you know, talk about teams that have had success beyond their probably ability. Our 2012 big 12 championship team was that team. Um, I had players on the, that were starting for me that may not be on the bench for most big 12 teams but we did something that nobody thought we could do. And that year went to the sweet 16 and with a bunch of, you know, we, we basically ended up losing, well, tying North Carolina in Chapel Hill and going down on penalty kicks uh, to, and they won the championship that year, a, a team of a bunch of what we just consider a bunch of ragtag girls that just loved each other and would run through the walls for each other, um, do diving headers and mud puddles uh, for <laughs> each other, you know, whatever it took, they were going to do it. And, and I've been blessed to have other teams, like that, but we've, we've been way more talented since then. But that's a team that definitely knew what it meant to, to really love each other and, and fight for each other in moments when it was, when it was difficult. So it's definitely a, if this, this episode recap episode has been about anything, it's probably a, a, about that, you know, Tart being the opposite end of the spectrum on that and Rojas coming in and bringing life yeah. to football uh, and to that team. Yeah, and you, you know, as you were talking about that, the coach that, you know, they hate and that's what unifies them, I thought of a miracle. 
right? Miracle on Ice, mm. where the, then yeah. the movie kind of emphasizes that, that team uh, kind of hatred for what, I don't know, hatred may be strong, <laughs> but they really didn't like what Herb Brooks was doing. That being said, Herb Brooks knew that. Yeah. Right? Like that was, he knew that they needed to unify. But what he did was he made them be, their individual was lesser than. So as you said, who do you play for, right? I mean, that famous scene, mm. uh, Minnesota, you know, again, right? Who do you play for? Boston U, you know, yeah, whatever, right? Again, right? And they have to keep doing those sprints over and over until finally one of them says USA. Spoiler alert, sorry. Actually, Ooh, the spoiler yeah. after the spoiler. But if you haven't seen it, you know, you need to see it, and it still will be powerful. I did that with my girls this year. They didn't like it as much when I kept saying again to sprints. I was joking, but they, they didn't think it was funny. Um, so I did two sprints with them, so that was good. I didn't follow Grace, though, so I, I was I was lagging behind a little <laughs> bit, which was, a, which was a good thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that as we talk about this, as we kind of wrap up this episode, and as we wrap up this discussion of episodes five and six and and we're and i've kind of like we have two more episodes about this ted last and then hopefully we'll have the next season to talk about as we wrap up these ones so that that will be that'll be cool there i want to take this opportunity too before we wrap it up and give you kind of last uh chance to talk about a, a, a few things you know i have one thing i do want to talk about still roy and the fun conversation he had with Sam when he went down with the injury, or a fake injury anyway, uh, which was a fun little scene that I think said a lot though. But I do want to say, folks, I've talked about the Facebook group that we have, and that's something that I want to really start. There's two things I want you to start doing if you haven't done it already. One is sign up for the newsletter on the How Soccer Explains Leadership website. You can go to HowSoccerExplainsLeadership.com and sign up for that newsletter. We haven't sent any out yet, but I'm going to start sending them out because we're going to be offering some pretty cool uh, opportunities in the next in next little bit. I'm developing a coaches coach, coaching courses coach, a coaching coaches course. And um, that's, a, that's a tongue twister. Try to say that fast. The, the ability to say it will get you in the door yes, for the exactly. first lesson. It'll get you the first lesson free. That's 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 absolutely right. Um, but it's just going to be a, a conversation. We're going to have a mastermind there for you to be able to learn from other coaches, for me to be able to learn from everybody as well. Also going to give you be, be able to give you information about some some other opportunities. So if you're interested in that, go sign up for that newsletter, and we'll be getting some emails. It won't be spam in your inbox. It'll just be once every week or two. We'll be sending you out some opportunities that we have there. On that Facebook group, also going to be putting some videos with some, you know, creating some content there for you to go a little bit deeper on some of these principles that we've talked about on DISC, on Paul and the Warrior Way stuff that they have and the principles that they're teaching there. You know, we, we'll be able to give, you know, a lot of great nuggets for you there to be able to learn and just hopefully go deeper in your coaching, in your leadership, uh, on the field, in life in your marriages, whatever you have, want you to be able to, you know, again, want to help you to flourish. That's what Paul and I are here doing this for, is to help you. And we're learning a ton from you, from guests, you know, who are giving us amazing knowledge from folks like Lillian who are writing in. Just encouragement for you to write in as well on email or on Facebook. Engage the conversation. Hopefully as we're doing these videos, you're going to engage the conversation there as well. So I wanted to just uh, talk about that a little bit uh, while I was thinking about it because I wanted to make sure not to forget to do that. Usually I forget to say that and then afterward I get all bummed. But again, do that. I look forward to starting those conversations offline with some of you who maybe we haven't been able to do that. I've been able to do that with a lot of the listeners. Uh, I would love to do it with all of you. So, and I mean that. And a lot of times podcasting is very passive where we do this and we don't get a lot of feedback, but I'm a high I personality. If you know the disc, I, I, I like the feedback. So I'd like to know that you're listening. I like to know that it's making an impact. And so if you can just share that, I, I would love to hear that and go ahead and sign up on those other things. So as we uh, say that, you know, Paul, we got uh, Roy. If you remember the scene, do you remember the scene? Sam goes down and he comes up and he says, just stay down for a little bit. Wait for the crowd to, you know, you know, get, get a little worried and then pop up and limp off a little bit like, like you were hurt. Because Sam said, I'm not really hurt, but the crowd was so, you know, they were yelling so loud. I just thought I'd stay down until it calmed down. But... I loved Roy's leadership in that situation to come up, be able to, he got mad at Jamie first for not checking on his teammate. 
And then he came in and helped along this younger player. You saw that leadership that was coming out that Ted had encouraged him in. So what, 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 just your reaction to that real quick. And then any other little, little last parting final thoughts of these episodes before we wrap up another fun show. Well, I think as Ted, as the head coach, in, in episodes where he is struggling to feel like he's getting through to one of his players, Jamie Tart, he's starting to see a glimmer of light shine through the man he is putting the, the program on his shoulder, so to speak. He's, this guy's got to figure it out, too. He's starting to see a glimmer of hope of this guy actually understanding what it means to be a veteran leader, a coach on the field, um, to embrace his experience his soccer ability is starting to lag while Jamie Tarts is going through the roof. Roy's is starting to lag. What are areas that he can put into the team? And this is an, an instance where you see Roy starts to get it. He starts to get it. And as a coach, you know, you want that positive feedback, right? You do. I do. We all do. I think somebody's got to get to Ted and go, Hey, I know you're frustrated about Jamie Tart over here. Keep, keep fighting for his, for Jamie Tart's heart. There's a good song in there somewhere, <laughs> but man, you're getting it with Roy. You're getting it. It's, it's happening. What you're doing works. Um, and I, I love, I loved how, you know, and Sam is just a sponge that that guy will take yep. any, any, anything. He is desperate for Roy's leadership. He's desperate for Jamie's leadership. Mm-hmm. Sam is going to be a fantastic awesome player on that team, but he needs, he, he's the insecure guy that needs people to pour into him. Uh, and I just thought that was an awesome moment as a coach to see a leader who you're like, this guy's got so much to give him actually start to give something straight out of experience, right? Nobody knows how to do that unless they've had the experience of it. Um, so I thought that was really, really, uh, I thought a pivotal moment in the development of that character as a leader in that team, as it kind of, goes on we see a lot more but um a really cool moment and i'll just say just to speak to what you were saying a minute ago i mean i'm getting a ton out of this uh, these these episodes and out of our you know out of our podcast and the people you're interviewing and you know the mastermind stuff and the things that you're starting to develop i just i would highly encourage people to to reach out as well and get engaged i mean that's how we're all going to continue you've said it a million times on here but this is how we're all going to continue to get better it's not about me and you pontificating about ted lasso or even about Corey or you know clyde or any of the other people that, that you've had the opportunity to interview and that we've had the opportunity to talk about but really engaging with you guys that are listening um even if it's just a short comment you know hey i enjoyed this or i got this out of that it doesn't have to be a you know an entire podcast on its own to have an, an impact on what, what what's going on here. But Phil truly do uh, value what you're doing, the time you're putting in this. Like you said, you're not getting paid to do this. Um, but as a, as a coach, I feel blessed to be able to, to be part of this. But even if I wasn't, I'd be listening. I'd be engaged. Um, and I think that's why I'm on here is because you're like, well, you're listening anyway. You might as well be on here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, but do value that and would love to, to get you know, more engaged and excited about, it. I know some of the guests you've got that are, that are in the queue, so to speak. And this is just only getting better, man. So kudos for, for all this. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. I mean, it is funny you say that cause I, I, you were, you were a guest. Yes. But we just were talking about the episodes and, and it came time where we need to get a new co-host. And I thought, what better way to do it? I mean, you, you have incredible experience. You have, you're a great coach. Um, and you have life experiences that, that help out too, but it goes to the fact that be engaged, go deeper. Don't be a passive listener because this, this, the way that you're going to use, uh, really learn this and have it impact your life and impact your players and impact your employees. If you're out in the, you know, life outside of soccer or outside of sports is by actually applying these things. Look at Corey close. She didn't just listen to John Wooden and go on her merry way. She listened to John Wooden and applied it in her trainings. She listened to Joshua Medcalf and applied it in her trainings. She listened to John Gordon and applied it in her trainings, in her coaching, in her relationships, and in everything she was doing. That's why it works. That's why she can then rattle off this stuff. Because it's in her now. It's muscle memory. right? It's not just some thing that she listened to last week and, oh, it's a cool new flavor of the month that I'm going to try. No, these things become who we are. Michael Hyatt said a great thing. Read all these books. 
you're not going to remember everything in all those books, but you're going to see these common themes that will then become part of who you are. That's the stuff that we can get from these interviews. I mean, I'm going back and listening to it all again as I'm preparing for this course that we're, that we're creating. And I just listened to yours again, Paul. And there's so much goodness in that interview. Listen to Amanda's interview and, and Eric Pfeiffer and Paul or, or Pete Kipley. And, you know, I, I've just finished those, those four. And I'm like taking notes again, right? These are interviews I did, edited, listen to listen to them again and getting new stuff and putting all this cool stuff down because that's how we're going to be able to learn and the best way we'll do that is to teach it to others so if you're taking what you're hearing here and then you teach it to your kids teach it to the men and women who are in your college programs and your pro programs or in your businesses those are things that i just think that can be so incredibly transformational not only in your life, but in the lives that you're leading. And that's what I get excited about is this multiplication that can come from these episodes, that can come from the people that are learning that we get to learn from. So any last thoughts on that? And then we're going to wrap it up. Oh, man, that's solid. Just appreciate uh, being able to do this and excited about the episodes to come. And Ted Lasso releasing, you know, season two. Also, a lot of excitement here coming in this summer. So excited for all of that, man. July 23rd. Season two drops. I don't know if it's the whole season or if you're going to do it like last time with uh, one at a time. I'm guessing that to keep people on Apple TV. But uh, again, folks, thanks for download. Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks for just hopefully continually learning so that you can be better leaders. You can be better in your marriages. You can be better in your parenting. You can be better in really every area of your life. And so that is our hope. That is what we hope you will do here. Rate and review the show if you haven't done that already. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't done that. But right now, we are going to wrap this show with the thing that I say every time. It's because I mean it. I hope that you're taking everything you're learning from this show and you're using it to help you to be a better leader. You're using it to help you be better in every area of your life. And you are using it to help you understand that soccer really does explain life and leadership. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.